Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, here, here we are, hour number two on the last Wednesday of the month. And, of course, we have our good friend Peter Wood with uh, Let the Sawdust Fly In. And uh, now, uh, Peter, I'm going to let you introduce your guest today. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I'm going to hammer the name of the company he used to work for. I already did it once, so... <laughs> So let's uh, let's let you do the introduction. Well, here. well, thank you, Brad. Appreciate it. folks out there listening, taking time every day. I'm gr- always grateful. I always want to always want to tell you that I'm thankful that you're willing to take time every day to learn a little, a bit, little bit more about the timber industry. But today, what who we have with us, folks, is an individual who sold equipment for Komatsu as the name of the company. They're in the they're in the Komatsu, United States. Yeah, okay. Komatsu. They're in the United States. They're in Brazil. They're all over the world. But he worked for Komatsu for 40-plus years in the forestry industry, and so his knowledge is great. He he has a lot of knowledge about what goes on in South America, Brazil, and other parts of the world. He has connections in other countries by quite a ways out, met one of them. And uh, it's quite interesting to listen to Leonard Schofield Dos Santos. And his family actually originated from the Tennessee, I do believe, area at one time, and after Civil War moved on. But we do have Lenard on here, and he has a lot of wealth of information, folks out there, why it'll give you a good picture why a lot of our pulp mills in the United States are shutting down. It's, it, isn't, uh, it isn't like, oh, conspiracy theory, man. It isn't, it isn't that. It's, 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 it's uh, actually green in technology and uh, the climate and what grows better. But, uh, Lenard, are you there? Yes, good morning, Peter. I'm here. Thank you very much for your invitation. Well, thank you for being on here and willing to come and share your expertise and knowledge and uh, what you know about the timber industry with all that wealth that you have. Uh, you want to say hello to any of your folks back in Brazil that probably are going to be listening? Yes, that would be really fine and uh, really nice. And gostaria de dar o meu bom dia, meu boa tarde para o meu pessoal aí do Brasil, pessoal que está ouvindo o programa. É uma honra para todos nós e eu estou aqui honrado de representar é, o mercado florestal brasileiro nesse programa. Thank you, Peter, for this opportunity to say hello to my people in my own language. And I know that there are several of them listening right now for the program. I told them to to hook on on the system to to listen through WebMail or whatever system that they can listen to the radio show. Well, thank you very much, Brad. Did you get everything he said there? It's uh, Portuguese, so I didn't understand uh, a word, but I know no, he meant I, to... <laughs> First of all, uh, Leonard, I'm sure that was Spanish, right? I did take two years of Spanish in high school, so I understood that enough a little bit. <laughs> did you? Oh, that's nice, Brad. But, you know, our language is Portuguese. It, many people believe that we talk, we speak in Spanish in Brazil, but we don't. Oh, okay. All right. In South America, they do not speak Spanish. We, we, we speak Portuguese. Okay, Brad, now we got that taken care of. Yeah, no wonder I didn't understand. I thought maybe I hadn't been paying attention in class or something. You're looking at the ladies too much, Brad. But anyway, uh, uh, let's, uh, um, Lenard, could you tell the folks a little bit about your family history, just a little bit, uh, how how you were in the United States at one time and moved? Yes, it's really interesting, Peter, because my my family originated from Scotland in 16, 1700, and then they moved to Tennessee. They were settled themselves in Maryville, Tennessee, and right after Civil War, 
because there was an agreement between Brazilian government and U.S. government to help those guys in the southern uh, United States to go to move down and also to help Brazil uh, producing cotton in those days. So two big groups immigrated to Brazil right after Civil War, and one group was my great-great-grandfather that was uh, in that group, and they settled themselves in, in northeast Brazil, and then everything started. So that's my surname, it's Schofield. Okay, and, and that's here, why you're in Brazil. Fifty years ago, or sorry, after the Namibia in the U.S. <laughs> so, it's really interesting, yeah. So, so uh, like I've told you, Lenard and Brad, I've, I've talked with Lenard for a little while here, and, and um, my perception of Brazil was not even close to what is reality. And my perception was that uh, on the poor side, kids were walking around with bare feet, no shoes, uh, <laughs> catching the water buffalo as it goes by to go to school, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's like, I'm far from the truth on this. Could you tell the folks out there, Lenard, how wrong I was? Yes, you are completely wrong, Peter. Sorry to say, and uh, to our listeners, it, it's completely different uh, uh, situation we have today in Brazil. Of course, there are some poor areas as any other country in the world, but uh, no, our kids, they, they sleep in a very comfortable bed. They wake up in the morning, they take breakfast, and then they can take a bath and go to school. They don't go naked and jumping from one tree to another. No, it's not really the, the situation. We have very modern cities, and we have more, very modern industry. Industry, And not to mention, of course, how modern is our forestry uh, industry when it comes to wood panels, to sawmill, lumber, and, uh, and not to mention pulp. Then Brazil is really market leader in pulp. We have a very modern industry nowadays in forestry as in any other sector. That's one thing that uh, folks out there that are listening in the pulp industry, why America, our pulp wood industry is getting less and less and less. It isn't some conspiracy theory. It's the reason why is why it's Leonard has a lot of answers. Why could you describe some of the pulp industries in Brazil to get some, so people can get their eyes opened here a little bit more, which happened to me. Yes, uh, I'm glad to, to share this uh, data, guys, that uh, we ha- I have about Brazilian forest market, mainly pulp, and everything started with one uh, tree, one species called eucalyptus. And that tree was introduced in Brazil in 1960s, and since then it has developed a lot, several new several technology to develop this tree, and today we have a very excellent growth. That's why Brazilian companies, pulp companies, they have a very low production cost to produce and export pulp. And it, it's a one fact. It, it's not, as you said, it's not a dream. It's, it's a fact. We have that in place right now, and companies producing a lot of pulp and exporting worldwide. And it's hard for other countries outside South America to compete because we have a very good climate, very good soil, and also, as I said, this uh, high investment on, on research and development on eucalyptus type of clone or plantation, it gives to Brazil really a very competitive advantage to produce pulp in a very low cost. And then it's more feasible for international players like American companies or Japanese European companies to concentrate on final products here and concentrate pulp in Brazil which is really, the, I would say, the basic product on a forestry chain. 
And uh, I, I have here, uh, Peter, some data. For example, Brazil has 230 million inhabitants, and, and USA is 230. It's, very, it's 100 million people less, but it's a very large country. And size-wise, we have 3.3 million square mile, and the United States is 3.8. So it's almost the same size as the United States. But on the other hand, we have 15 million acres with planted eucalyptus and 4 million acres with pine. So hold on here. Hold on here, Leonard. Uh, You better say that again. Roughly, you got 20 million plantation acres. Yep, correct. Heck acres? Acres, yes. Heck acres, okay. 8 million acres, which equals to 20 million Sorry, sorry, 8 million hectares. Okay. That, that uh, equals to 20 million acres. Yes, so 20 Ameri- American acres would be to, equal to 20 yeah. million. Yes, correct. Plantation. Yep. Wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> a lot of acres. <laughs> it's very good to emphasize this, Peter, because people think that pulp industry, paper industry, soil lumber, they're cutting down the rainforest. This is really not correct information. There is some portion being cut, of course, but not that international media used to say, because, you know, bad news sells news, and it's not really the truth. Paper industry is 2,500 miles away from rainforest. So there's nothing to do with rainforest. Plus, rainforest is a mix of trees, do not have proper fiber to produce pulp. So it's useless for pulp industry. That's why they keep planting and planting and planting like crazy. Thousands, thousands of hectares or acres per per year, 60, some companies are, are, are planting 60,000 acres per year, every year. To, Listen to, to that. To feed, wow. to feed their adult mills. To feed their mills. They feed their mills yeah. off of just plantations that are, it's like growing corn here, folks. You're growing yeah, see, trees. Peter, I, see, see, Peter, I think Americans have a misconception, and I think uh, Leonard expl- is explaining that very simple. A lot of us think that uh, you, that you're just, that, that that country is just burning down its rainforests, uh, destroying its rainforests, and exactly the opposite is happening. They're growing or planting more than they're taking. Yes, that's true, Brad. That's true. There is an excess volume every year because we are planting more and cutting less than with the forest is growing. We have, Brad, it's a good point also because we have today a uh, growth rate on, on EUCA is like 12 to 13 cores per acre per year. And then in seven years rotation, it gives us very good raw material offer from plantations. Nobody will dare to think about rainforest because, as I said first, there is no in that, there is no steady fiber. Second, it's 2,500 miles away. It's not feasible just to think about that. There is no roads. No, nobody will take canoes to bring logs down. To, 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 canoes. By the river, 2,500 miles. That's unbelievable to think about that. And so, so you're, you're, the, the rainforests are 2,500 miles away. The conception is you're ruining it, but it's just the far cry opposite is what you're doing yeah. is when, you, when you, you're using plantations constantly. And could you elaborate a little bit more on that? You said a seven-year rotation. Seven years. 
That's unbelievable. Wow. You mean the trees grow that fast in seven years? Brad, uh, we used to joke that to plant eucalyptus is quite dangerous because it can grow in between your legs while you are planting. <laughs> <laughs> you have really to take care. How about the one, Leonard, where you put your lunch pill on the tree, come back, you won't be able to get off because it's too high up. <laughs> exactly. You need to lean. It's just on your eyes. You know, <laughs> because it's growing so fast. It's just growing so fast. Peter, we really Peter, we gotta we gotta clear something up here because when when Le, when Leonard talks about pulp, we vision up here in the Northland anyway. I think I and a number of other people on the, listening on the radio think popples. You know, but that's not the kind of trees they're making in pulp. Pulp is it at all? No, this this is. Uh, eucalyptus they're cloning trees they're constantly trying to they're ex- folks they're extremely advanced on this they have been doing this yeah. since the 60s we talk here northern northern upper midwest pulp what is aspen pulp birch maple yeah where, and it becomes but the product of that that is not going to be good for saw logs becomes pulp and yep. that's what he's talking is they make these plantations not to make saw logs they're making it to make pulp wood pulp for using to like let's say make uh, go ahead Lenar would you describe some of the products well yeah. before you uh, do that b- before you do that Lenard, we got to take a quick break here we're this is commercial radio and we have set time limits that we got to do commercial so th- uh, think about that question that Peter has we'll talk about the products when we come back after this quick break giant redwood large the fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. On Wednesday, oh, I'll go shopping and have buttered scotch. Hey, I, I got a question. I, I love the smell of timber being cut, but I'll bet you if you're cutting eucalyptus trees, those really got to be great smelling trees, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are bred because also we can produce some kind of uh, not tea, but some kind of um, lotion out of a special type yes. of a special type of eucalyptus that is it's almost chlorophyll. It's very good. It has a very great smell. It does. Some species, some you cannot really feel, but some species really have a very good smell. Some of the yeah, I've there. seen eucalyptus uh, lotions and stuff before. They're great smelling. So, so these trees yeah. can grow in seven years. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And we, we were talking about the other products uh, than pulp, and of course, if customers want to produce, like say, bigger logs, bigger saw logs, then they wait to ten, twelve years, and then they can produce very good logs. They go on a heat treated process to produce lumber for uh, outdoor furniture. And then you can okay. see these wooden decks made out of eucalyptus. You can see outdoor furniture, as, as I said, also made out of eucalyptus after heat-treated process. 
They need to ask. Nope. Oh, no, Pintier spent five years outside in your garden. If, if if somebody's sitting there thinking, oh, how how tall are these trees at seven years and at ten years? I mean, are they like uh, thirty feet tall? How tall are those trees in that rotation? Between ninety to hundred feet. feet. Yeah, ninety to a hundred feet in seven years. Whew. Yep. <laughs> and then and then volume per per tree is like zero point zero five cords, which is equal to point eighteen cubic eighteen ton point eighteen ton per tree, American ton. Per you need, tree. You need then, you like five trees per one ton. Wow. And these are probably at about a what a three meter spacing or all nine feet ten foot spacing. Yes, yes, correct. So you're going to have a huge amount. I mean, you just you could look through it, but wow, that's thick. And at twelve years, it's going to be a lot more bigger yet. Yep. Well, well, Peter, Peter, you guys were starting. You guys were starting to talk about the other products that you can make out of this kind of wood or pulp. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit more about that. That really piqued my interest. Go ahead, Leonard. Go ahead yeah. on that. Thank you. Yeah, Brad. We we of course let's see. First basic product will be pulp, and then we have this lumber for outdoor furnitures. and then move to pine because we also grow pine in Brazil, and we have. Uh, mainly three, two, two, three uh, species: flesh, ponderosa, and loblolly pine. Same you guys have in the southeast United States, and then rotation pine for clear cut. It's between 16 and 20 years, and then out of pine, then we produce a lot of uh, wood frame, and then lumber, saw timber, and uh, what else? And uh, doors, panels, wood panels. Then uh, flooring, and we export fancy. We export a lot to the United States. It's a growing industry also in pine, and they in southern Brazil where climate is very suitable for pine. It's more cold in southern Brazil. Of course, not what it, nothing compared to what you guys have here, but it's suitable for these types of these species on pine. And then out of that, we have a very strong uh, industry. Uh, timber industry, really strong. And uh, I think that it's good. It's growing. and But pulp is our really main product today because we have, uh, as I said in the beginning, 15 million acres planted with, with elk. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot, of, it, lot of wood being planted and harvested. Peter, how, how can we compete with that? I don't know that we could, can we? Uh, we really... You, that's what's going on in the United States while these pulp mills are closing down. It isn't some kind of weird thing. It's This has been coming on since probably the 60s, wouldn't you say, Leonard, that uh, what's going on? Because when they when they go to build a plant, they start planting the trees in advance. But yeah. in about seven years, you got a full rotation of crop there that... Um, we're gonna have we're gonna try and give some answers what we can do here later in the program, Brad. But we're trying to get paint a okay. picture of what um, what goes on in Brazil, and they'll start planting. You want to elaborate a little bit on that, Leonard, on what takes place when they're going to put a mill in somewhere? Yes, uh, Brad. As Peter is saying, we start planting in advance. Our companies start planting in advance, and besides Brazil and South America, we can see Uruguay with similar conditions where companies today are building pulp mill down there, and uh, also next player will be Paraguay. 
There's a big Austrian group uh, right now building one pulp mill in, in Paraguay because they have also similar climate and soil conditions comparable to Brazilian type of forestry. And uh, But yes, Pierre, you are right. Companies start planting in advance three, four years, and then they start building the mill, and then bang, it's everything together. Plantation is ready, and mill is ready. And and also, they normally they sell all this pulp in, also in advance, Peter. It's amazing because I know about one of one of our customers that I visited them during the last 40 years. And their new tissue plant, they sold 10 years production in advance to a Japanese customer. Before the mill is ready, they already sold 10 years production. And it's really it's amazing this industry down there. You have guys go to go and see with your own eyes. I described bread to Peter one word that is gemba. It's a Japanese word. It means go to gemba. It means go to where the things really happen. See with your own eyes. Don't believe on fully reports. Go there and see by yourself, and then you can really see what's going on there. How the industry has developed in the last years, and what we we are doing there to improve even further. Wow. It's amazing what we're hearing here this morning, folks. We've got to take a quick break, do our CBS News break, and then we'll come back with uh, Peter Wood and his guest, who is uh, a citizen originally from Brazil and is talking about the uh, the growing uh, cycle and the harvesting of trees that has become uh, b- bigger than we could ever hope to keep up with. But we'll talk about that later as we go along. So we'll be right back after CBS News. And uh, Peter, we're having a, a great uh, discussion about the, especially about the differences yet similarities in logging operations. But it seems like Brazil has the climate, the area, uh, just the uh, rainfall and everything else that makes these different types of trees grow so much faster. And I understand mm-hmm. that eucalyptus is one of them, but you get pine and oak and other things that are growing down there as well. And it seems like you build a uh, a facility like a mill uh, around the fact that you're going to have these trees available in a very short number of years. Yes, that's why it says the planting crews come in and they start planting in advance. I think it's like around three years they're planting. And then about around the fourth year, isn't it true, Lenard, that the mill starts to be built? And then when it's all ready, it all like comes together at one shot. And all of a sudden they're kicking out a product of the couple million tons a year or more. Some of these plants are huge. Yes, correct, Peter. It's said like this. That's the way they are doing today. That's the way they keep doing. And I want also to mention, uh, Peter, that uh, we have the advantage of climate and soil, and then we have distressed growth, but we use exactly the same machinery that you guys use here. We have latest technology on feather bunch of skeeters and harvesters, wheel harvesters and forwarders, processor heads, everything the way you you guys have here. It's exactly latest technology. Yeah, you, you would think you wouldn't. You, Leonard, you'd think you wouldn't. You'd think that you'd have uh, old stuff, tired, but you're just as modern, just as nice. Probably the, the, I've looked at some of the pictures. They look just like our machines, and and you have a lot of them. It isn't like you only have a couple. Yes, yeah. yeah we, we have a contractor, for example, for some, that one contractor, he has 60 machines. It's about 40 harvested in 20, 25, four orders. By the way, Brazil is really a Catalan uh, country, sorry. It's a Catalan country, 
uh, even companies uh, running three-lens machinery, they are producing short loads. By short loads, means loads between 20 and 24 feet for pulp. And when it goes for, for saw logs for timber, then it's a different story. It's between 8 and 10 feet, uh, 8 and 12 feet for mm-hmm. saw logs. And, uh, but we use the same machinery that you guys use here, fuel efficiency technology, um, internet control, you know, everything. Satellite, he and means satellite on that. Satellite com- communication, satellite uh, te- telemetry. And um, it's, it's the way we use down there. And also mills are very modern because they buy it from Finland, which is one of the biggest suppliers in the world for, for pulp mills and paper mills. They buy from Finland, from Sweden, from Austria, the latest, really latest technology that is available. Somebody might be Leonard. Somebody might be sitting back there, and Brad. Um, you're, if you do that rotation, you keep planting the same thing. Um, after a few years, are you going to deplete the soil so much that it's it's a barren wasteland? They're not going to do that. Could you explain what happens, like what the cut the length on the at the tree and and uh, what happens after it's harvested in that? Because they're going to wonder, okay, is it sustainable? It is sustainable because another side effect by harvesting eucalyptus is that eucalyptus all debarked right in the field. And first, they save costs on hauling because between 10 and 12 percent of total volume is water. Then they don't transport water to the mill. They keep it there at the roadside, drying out. And the whole debarked logs or the soil, what they have these residues is keep on the on the ground as a fertilizer. They they also do fertilization, but it's very on a very small scale because the whole tops and limbs stay in the in the field after cutlass. Then it also goes as a very good fertilizer, natural fertilizer for the land. That's why they can they can plant it or two, three times in the same spot, in the same area. Same area, then you fertilize a little bit, but you're you're replenishing it as you go with the same stuff you're growing. Yes, yeah. And uh, it's worth mentioning that we, of course, we don't have thousands of thousands of acres available to plant. We also go where we have protected land. And then these companies, they are FSC certificate, and they need to protect native forests. They have to protect the waterways. They need to protect all creeks and native wildlife. They, they need to protect that. They must be based on Brazilian law and on the FSC certificate. Then we plant, but we preserve at the same time. And I think, Peter, that this is one one bad behavior from our side, and I include myself in this. We don't communicate in a proper way to normal society what we are doing. We, we need to communicate better that the forest market worldwide, loggers and truckers, we are doing the right way. We are cutting but preserving forest at the same time. We are not destroying the forest. Exactly. And we need to cut we need to cut those trees that were planted for, to produce uh, finished products because I don't think that anyone will just use plastic toilet paper. I don't think that anyone will think of that. We go for really well preserved, well managed forests around the globe. We are the good guys, and society needs to understand that a guy that jumped into harvest or for order of a bunch of kids at 5 a.m. is to produce quality products that will help the whole society as we have today. Since, since it's two products, 
to furniture, everything, packaging, all kinds of packaging, books, everything. It's based on paper. So we are not wow. destroying anything. We are keeping that. I really, well, listen, I, guys, I we've got a... Sorry, we have to ahead, take Brad. our we have to take our uh, we have to take our last break here, um, Minnesota news break. When we come back, uh, Peter, maybe we can talk a little bit about how some of the technology that they're using down there might help us up here in the Northland to keep our logging industry going as well. So let's take our Minnesota news break, and then we'll come back with uh, Peter and his guest. Well, Northlanders, that's a little uh, wood chopper ball to bring us back into uh, Let the Sawdust Fly. Uh, Peter, uh, let's have you for the next, uh, we've only got about five minutes left yep. in this segment, but for that period of time, why don't you talk to uh, Leonard, or Leonard about uh, how these things can translate over to maybe helping our our, our industry here yep. in the U.S. of A. Yeah, we had to get to that, Brad. I'm glad you brought it up again. Um here in the, this country, why, why Leonard was so important, I thought, is why what's going on with our mills? What's happening here? It keeps going down that road. And I just saw last night on the Internet another mill going down, I think, in Georgia or something like that. And it's sad, but if we try and compete at something that we can't, you got to start looking at what's going on. And that's one of the words that Leonard taught me is glocal. Uh, look globally, but think locally. And that's something that we have to do. And I'll give a couple of my ideas. And, Lenard, would you give the folks out there some of your ideas, what you see from a global perspective, what we could do in this country to keep our timber industry healthy and viable? Because you're building plants and going and going and going. It sounds like it's wide open here. We're kind of mothballing a little bit. But uh, my thoughts were what we could do here a little bit is that the, at the public sector of timber is to start looking at offering up more wood at reduced less money, put the price down some on the stumpage, what we call it, that would help because it's the, the markets are changing. And the other thing, uh, my thoughts were um, more biomass, more burning of wood waste for electricity because we're going to have a problem with electricity coming up with the grid, and this would be an excellent answer, but it has to be – you can talk about it, but it has to be acted on. It has to be actually accomplished. And I think that's one of the other things is you can take – we can always – sell good saw logs and have good material that way. That's one thing we can grow excellent is because the weather, how it changes, and it keeps going hot, cold, hot, cold, and get that fiber right. Uh, but what we need is something for the wood waste, and that would be one of them. Uh, Lenard, from your standpoint, where you're all across the world, kind of, what would you say to somebody in the United States that's kind of concerned sitting back, sipping coffee, and what the heck can we do? Yeah, uh, Peter, I think that... Um Biomass grid is one option, of course, because you guys need to, to promote more and more to offer, sorry, that's a better word, to offer more uh, energy alternatives. And uh, biomass is a huge and very good profitable alternative for, to produce electricity. But I see that the first industry needs to, should or would concentrate more on a high or value-added products. Because then you have you have a huge home market here for furniture, for housing, for this type of products that you guys can have very nice. You have very good forest, very good dense growth forest that can be used for furniture and housing and special use. And then of course, and go on export markets. 
China is over there. I, I know that there is some issues between the U.S. and China, but uh, okay, it's a very hard, very big market. India is another big market. South America in general is a very big market where you guys can reach out with more value-added products. And not really, I will not say that you, you cannot compete with pulp. It would be nonsense for my part. But I think that you guys should not compete or try to compete in a short and middle term with a basic product with this pulp. Go for packaging quality material. Go for lumber, really fine lumber, fine timber, fine sologs. I think that you guys should move in that direction, in my opinion. Or not move, but be concentrate more and looking for that type, from that perspective to value-added products. Yes. That's my point of view. Yeah. I see what you're saying because uh, value-added products so that you can get more for what you have there and you have to pursue the markets that will keep you viable, keep you going. Correct. Because that's what you're doing down there. And then on the uh, one real quick thing on the rainforest, that's extremely highly managed, isn't it? It, it is. Of course, we have some illegal uh, devastation there or deforestation. Yes, we do have, but not on the volume that people normally say here in the U.S., North America, or Europe. And these uh, non-governmental agents or organizations are sitting in London, Paris, New York. They're not there, but they're just collecting money and say, hey, we are protecting the whole rainforest. It's not really the truth. There are some illegal, yes, but it's, the majority is really well-managed and very well-controlled by government and by players that are there already. They know what they're doing. There yeah. is one very large machine manufacturer that he jumped in a, in a very sustainable program to help a sustainable program in rainforest for many, many years. They started this, I think, 25 years ago. It's a U.S. manufacturer doing Peter, we've got to say uh, we've got to say thank you for allowing us a little insight into uh, national competition down in Brazil and the rain, uh, the uh, logging industry down there. Uh, I wish we had another hour and a half or so. Uh, it's been very, very interesting. I'm sure we can have uh, Leonard back at another time. Yep. But thank you, Peter. Great, thank you. Good stuff again today. Thanks for having us, Brad, and thank folks you, out there. Thank we'll, you very much for listening. Love to hear it. We'll talk again. Thank you. All right.